got your Bibles, would you turn together with me to 1 John chapter 2 as we uh, continue our series here. That was such a great song for us to sing into this passage because it's a song declaring a truth of where we stand. And this passage is going to um, uh, go straight into that place. It tells us who we are in a very real way so that we can remember it in a specific way and, and live in that, in that space. Well, it's Father's Day. While you're turning to there, I want to show you my uh, Father's Day present. So it uh, came in an appropriate colored box. Uh, can anybody guess what is in here? It's a Father's Day present. What do you think? Do you go at the top? I don't think, well, actually, no, it does help you, but you may, you may not have uh, heard of it. Seeds or cologne? That's a good. That's a good guess. Someone else want to have a go? Poor Namu. Oh, that would be nice. No, not quite there. All right, I'll give you a little hint. It's. It, oh, well, you know, Fred. But come on, give, you spit it out. Socks. Socks. Who would have thought of that? Fred knows because he actually got the same set, but a different size. So these are actually Fred's ones. We have to swap. But just before um, you think my family are not that thoughtful, they're, they're very specific socks. They are happy socks. Do you know socks can make you happy? Well, have I got news for you. You see, because they have designs on them. So this one is a whole lot of different meats, like saveloys and stuff like that. It's awesome. They know I'm a meat lover. This is milk. My, my favorite drink is milk. So I remember uh, coming home from school, and you'd get the pint bottles with the foil top. You go, and they're creak. Yeah. Well, I would just, every day I'd come home, and I'd pop the top off one of those, and I'm still prone to drinking a lot of meat. And these are a whole lot of vegetables, because um, the older kids in my family, when they see me in the garden, they say, oh, there's Dad in his natural habitat. <laughs> I love gardening. Now, show show this to you um, because, uh, it, yeah, it was funny that I got socks. But, <laughs> yeah, Kath's, Kath's keen to hear this. Because when I got these, the family's hearing this at the same time, it made me grateful. It just made me thankful. Thankful for something that I have. So much of our life in our culture that we live in is is energized by this discontent, right? In, in fact, if you think about a lot of the things you say, oh, yeah, I'm really happy. I'm really happy because something is going to happen in the future. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a trip coming up or there's something that I'm saving up to. We live in this culture that just says, you, I'll be happy when or I'll be content when, right? And, and there's times then when we're in a place where we struggle with gratitude, where you actually need to stop and take stock and find things that you are grateful for. And so people would go, start doing a little gratitude journal. Write something down each day that you are kind of thankful for. Something that just gives you a, a, a stability in your life. Now John's been writing in this letter, in this, in this wonderful introduction, and he's pushing back against these lies that are sitting in our culture that still exist in our culture today. Lies are saying, you know, Jesus isn't really who he's all he's cracked up to be. 
And it says, well, you, you know, there's this thing called sin that he sort of talks about, but there's all these people who say, well, there's no such thing as right or wrong. It's all just a social construct, this idea of what moral sort of is. And then another group who'll say, yeah, there's, there's right and wrong and all that stuff, but, but me and God were okay because I'm, 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 I'm really actually a good person kind of at heart. And so John's uh, teasing all these lies out and saying, well, what the truth is, what the truth is, what the truth is. And then in chapter 2 there, he just stops and he writes this incredible little poem. And it, it's sort of like, you, it, it sort of sits there, it probably sits in your scripture and it look, it's said in a different way with a little indents and bits and pieces to show you that it's a little poem or a little song. It's kind of a segue, a little bit to summarize what he's said and then to move into a whole lot of other things that he's going to talk about. But it's kind of this one of, stop, I want you to know and understand who you are and what you have. So let's read the text and think of it in, um, in that in, in, um, with that in mind. And I've put it up as two columns here. We'll start with the left-hand column. He says this, I am writing to you, dear children, because what? Your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who was from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who was from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Father, would you just, as we reflect on this passage of Scripture, would you speak to our hearts? Would you remind us of, of deep and beautiful truths, but would you help them to settle in our soul in a way that gives us life? We pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, you see, I've laid it down a particular way. What are a couple of things that you notice between those two columns? There's a few things, but what are some of the things that, that you notice? There's a repetition there. This is part of why we know it's poetry. It could have been a song. It doesn't sort of completely rhyme or anything like that with it, but it's put in that way with all the indents and bits and pieces because it's sort of a quotation, and it has some poetry sort of elements in it with this repetition. What else do you notice? Yep, there's a lot of things that are like psalms that are sitting in it. It's good. Anything else? What's same, what's different between the two columns? Past and future? What do you notice there, Cecily? There's a past thing there. Your sins have been. Yep. And there's a future element in there as well. It's good. Oh, yes, the I am writing and I write. Yep, we won't talk too much about that, but, but yes, that is correct. He's going, I am writing, and then I, and then I write. So there is something in that. Um, uh, well, well noted, Cecily, you're obviously a, a deeper one in that space. We won't spend too much along in that place. It's good. What else do we notice? A couple of other quick things. It's good to get you thinking. He's positive. Exactly. So if we think of it in the stock take, he's going, when you stop and know what is yours, 
Man, that's heartening, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing that he's writing in here. Okay, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at it in three layers. And I'm going to get you to think about it in terms of when you do tertiary study, they talk about 100 level papers. So that's your first year papers that you do. And you can't go on to the 200 level papers until you've done the 100 level papers, right? And then you can't go on to the 300 level and, and further up until you've done the 200 level. So let's start at the 100 level here. He says, I'm writing to you, dear children. And that phrase, dear children, he uses two different words in the two different columns, but they're translated both as dear children, and he uses them all the way through this letter. So, so this top line here is written to everybody. And he says two things there. The first one he says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because you who have confessed your sin, who have acknowledged that you are part of rebelling against God, but that sin won't be counted against you if you confess it. That there's, a, there's somebody who died in your place for your sin, and your sin is covered. Not only that, that, that ad, he becomes an advocate for you, this Jesus Christ. He sits at the right hand of the Father and says, that's one of my children. Their sin is covered. He's saying, so you, it's been forgiven. Anything that you have done wrong in your life, one day you will stand before the Father and you will not be ashamed because Jesus Christ has forgiven your sin. And so he wants, to, this is Christianity 101. If you don't have that, you don't have what we know as Christianity. At the heart of Christianity is that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, still fully God, lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death, and then triumphed over the grave. That is Christianity 101. And he says, dear children, that's yours. Your sins have been forgiven. And then what does he say over in this column over here? He says the same thing. I write to you, dear children. But he says, because you know the Father. Because this isn't just a transaction that takes place. It's not you just go, oh, I was in the sinner's column and now... And he says, it's a relational transaction that takes place. You were a long way from God. You did not know him as a father. There wasn't an ability for a relationship to happen. But he says, now you do. And so level one of Christianity is this. <laughs> we have freedom because our sins have been forgiven. And we know the Father. That's why that song was so great. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Am. And when we're ungrateful or we, we get confused in our Christian faith or we're, we're, I don't know, stumbling along in our walk, we come back to this, these truths. This is what John wants to say. He stops here because he says, I want you to know this. I want you to remind yourself of this. And I want you to never, ever forget it. It's beautiful. I write to you, dear children. 200 level, he comes down to the bottom down there. He goes, I'm writing to you, young men. And the first one says, because you have overcome the evil one. And he says that again there, and you have overcome the evil one. But he adds in it in there as well, right? 
It's just because you are strong and the Word of God lives in you. And so the, the, the idea here is there's a 101 level that you have to know, but then there's a, um, a stepping into this walking in the light, a movement into being obedient. And that can feel overpowering for you because sin has such a grip on us. The remnants of our flesh and the world and the devil still sit there. And the, the messages that can come there, particularly from that liar Satan and the things that come over, is going, what are, you're just, you're just a weak, maybe you're not even a Christian at all. And, he's, and John wants to say this, you've done the 101, here we are on this. I want you to know that you, can, you have overcome the evil one because our Savior has overcome the evil one. Right, You have it not because the strength comes from your own conviction or willpower. The strength comes because you've put your trust in the one who has already done that. So in chapter 4, he's talking about it, and he's, he goes through all these you know, false teachers, and there's these antichrists who are going to come, the spirit of antichrist. And in chapter 4, verse 4, he says, but, 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 but you have overcome these. You have overcome these. And he says this, because greater is he that is in you than what? He that's in the world. Greater is the one that is in you. And so he picks that up in that second column there. He says, because you are strong, the word of God lives in you. Now, the word of God and the spirit is often given synonymously in, in Scripture. It can be quite interchangeable. Because the Spirit, the member of the Trinity that comes into you who are a born-again believer and lives in you, is the Word of God and takes the Word of God, the authority that we can from Scripture, and continues to remind us and teach us of it. But He's teaching us these great truths that lives in, resides in you. And so He's saying a statement here. He's not saying you can become strong, right? He's saying you are strong. You are strong. The Word of God is in you, alive in you, and doing its work. The evil one has been overcome by our Savior Jesus Christ. And so you, as a child of God, also have overcome the evil one. And again, this is a beautiful reminder, and I love that he says it to young men. This is a message to all of us, but he says very deliberately in here, and, and maybe he's got a particular group in mind in this church, I don't know. But I, I, I think in, a, in, in our, and today when we're honoring the men in our church and thinking a little bit about it, I think this is a message for us. The young there is both young chronologically kind of in age, but I think it's mo he's more thinking of a developing maturity in the faith. You're still a bit young in the faith. You're still not quite sure how it's sort of living out. He says, I want you to know that there's a strength in you. And maybe you're not fully aware of it. And maybe it hasn't something that's overcome in you in a way that really is reflected completely in your life. But he wants to start with the truth that's there and then work from you. And so young men, if there's things that feel like is overwhelming for you in your life and you don't feel particularly strong and you feel like maybe the, 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 the temptations and the evil, that they feel like they're overwhelming and overcoming, he wants to tell you this truth and then encourage you to walk in the light and step into obedience because the victory is available to you. It's so wonderful. 
And then he goes up to the next level with it in the center here, and he says something fantastic. He says, I'm writing to you fathers, and he just says the same thing repeated. He says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Um, it's an interesting time to be a man in today's world, right? It's a confusing time. There's a lot of messages out there, and a lot of them are negative in our world. We explored this yesterday morning in the men's breakfast. And it wasn't a grizzle kind of session. It was just going, what are these messages that are sitting in place in our world? What are the messages that say what a good, healthy, and in a church situation, godly masculinity looks like? Because when God created the world, he created male and female, and it says both of them, and, and in many ways together we bear the image of God. Men are not from Mars and women from Venus. Men and women are from Earth. We were created in God's image. We share that humanity together. But when God looked down at all that he was made and said it was very good, humanity was expressed as male and as female. God did not make a mistake when he made masculinity and femininity. He made it with deliberateness with it. And absolute purpose with it, right? And what we've got to do is go, well, well, how has humanity been skewed by the fall? And that's what we've got to look for. But there's also a question that sits alongside it. How do cultures skew masculinity and femininity away from what God is calling it to? And it's a very critical question, and it's a difficult question to wrestle through with, but it's a very important one for us to wrestle through with. But he says here to a group, and when he says fathers here, he's not so much thinking of a family unit, although that's very appropriate as well. He's saying there's a group here in this church and this is very early in the first century, very early in the church. These are ones that were probably raised up in the faith by the apostles. He says, you, knew, you know him who was from the beginning. The beginning has a double meaning there, right? We know the big, in the beginning is the beginning of our scriptures. It's the beginning of God's, John's gospel. It's talking about the fact that God has always existed. He existed before creation and he brought creation into being. But it's also used in this idea of the beginning of the Christian faith, of Jesus Christ coming and setting up his church and passing it on to the early church apostles who then raised up people within the churches to continue on the church faith. And so I think he's got in mind here, there's, in your church, to continue and grow your church community, there's meant to be a group of mature people in your church who are grounded in 101, <laughs> who are, who've worked through 201, right? There's a strength and a conviction in them. The Word of God is alive in them. They really know the, the power of having overcome the evil one. And he has a message for them today, and he specifically says it to men in this instance. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning, he says, there's a group of you here. I've written this introduction so you know the truth. But now he's going to go on and talk about all the challenges that sit in church community. The spirit of antichrist that sits there. 
this world and all its desires that's going to bombard you, this false teaching that is going to come along in here, and he wants to say in here, you know him. Not just know about him, although that's part of it. You know your scriptures, you know what's been taught, but you know him. Relationally, you know him. And the idea with knowing him is this. Men, when they're confused about who they are, seek their identity in all sorts of wrong places in the world. And that's where masculinity goes askew. And it can go askew pretty badly. But when a man knows who they are, knows where their identity comes from, know that their sin has been forgiven, that evil has been overcome, when they tap into that place and they say, I know him who was from the beginning, they, they create a legacy, not just in themselves, but in their family and in their Christian communities, and I would say in our wider community. And, and that's the type of men that we need. And so I just want to say a very simple thing in closing here. There's lots more I could say in this space, and I, I, I love this topic in, in particular, but I just want to say, men, you matter. Matter. Right. Um, step into the space that God calls you to. Know your Savior, Jesus Christ. Know you're forgiven. Know your identity is found in Him. Don't pursue it in the things of the world and go askew. Because when you know who you are, and you know what you have been given, then you find your identity in Christ. And you will be a blessing to everybody around you. That's what our world needs more of. You matter. And I'm so thankful for every man that's here in this room. I love you guys. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're here because you're interested in your faith. And you take your faith seriously. Keep going. I just plead with you and encourage you. Um. Sorry I'm so emotional, but I really feel like this is a message that we need to hear. We've got to get away from some gender battles that sort of exist and push in, into our culture in this space. The message is for men and for women. I get all of that. But I, I really feel as a man when I, I hear that calling on me, and I know that many of you men will feel it when I talk about it in this way, that this is what he's wanting to say to you today. Keep going. Keep being blessed by knowing who your God is and then for who you are. And then he will show you the paths that you are to walk on. What a blessing that will be in so many ways. Let me pray and we're going to sing a song to close. But I hope this has been an encouragement to you today. God loves you and he cares for you and he wants you to know your beautiful identity that you can know in his Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truths that we've read this morning. Thank you that in here we can know, absolutely know, that we are forgiven, that all of the sin that we have committed in our life will not prevent us one day from standing before you as the Father without shame because of our Savior, Jesus Christ.
Thank you that it has brought us into a family, the family of God, that we are all children here together with that. Would you strengthen everyone here in the church? But just on this particular day, we pray for the men of this church. Lord, whatever they're battling with, would you help them to know that they are deeply loved by their Savior, Jesus Christ, that he has already overcome the evil one on their behalf, that his word and his spirit lives inside of them and gives them a strength that gives them conviction and character. Would you bless them? And I just thank you so much that they are here this day in this church. Thank you for that message. May you do the work in their hearts to really strengthen them in their resolve as they go forward. Father, we can only talk about these things because of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his work. And for that, we are truly grateful. In his name, amen.